It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Episode 130. I can't believe it. 130 episodes of Lax Glass. Well, this is the 130th. Welcome back. Uh, lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. My name's Jake Kelly. My co-host, Brad Challoner. Let's get you in right off the top here, Bradley. Uh, how was the weekend? I know uh, we were bantering back and forth via Twitter ahead of the Kentucky Derby. I didn't accomplish a whole lot on, on Saturday, but I did watch the Derby. How's it going? As I- I, I'm I'm good, brother. And good. you mentioned me being your co-host, but I'm hearing a cat meowing back there. So yeah. I think you might have another another co-host. Who's Sugar, who's that? Sugar's just kind of rolling around on the carpet over there. I'm not sure. Sugar what's... is rolling around. No, I had a bit of a. So my birthday's on. My my birthday will be today. Yeah, when your fresh, podcast I, is rolling out, yes. even though we're here on Monday night, so it's not quite there yet. May the fourth. Um, yeah. And my sister's birthday is May second, so we had a bit of a Kentucky Derby backyard. Uh, hangout on Kentucky Saturday, bourbon. Kentucky bourbon. So mint juleps all around. <laughs> tilted the TV over to see um, the race, a three-hour broadcast for a two-minute race. And you know, I thought sometimes we had to kill time on a broadcast when we're talking lacrosse. But right. those guys really, uh, really they did draw it right. out, don't they? I mean, it's pretty impressive though. And yeah, and we'll we'll talk some lacrosse here in a second. But it's pretty impressive how they can draw out like four hours of coverage for a, for a horse race. I mean, the things they know about these jockeys and horses and owners and pretty, pretty impressive stuff. They always do a great job of it. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about in the, the breeding, and, yeah. but just refreshing from a sports standpoint and to try to tie it lacrosse in some way, a lot of people. just impressive to see the 50,000 people there. And that was 40% capacity. So Not imagine what masks. that looks like at a hundred percent, which is incredible. Like, no, before was, I was like, you know, when you'd see a crowd of people without masks, you'd just be like, Oh my God, what am I looking at? But now I, I feel like, well, that's encouraging. Like nobody's wearing a mask now because they're all getting there. I mean, a lot of people down in the States, Brad, they've had both doses now. Like they're, they're spiked up. Well, it's just interesting because Kentucky, I think has a similar population to British Columbia really? and has the same, I think Fun the same sort of with Brad same, same um, sort of COVID rate right now too. Hmm. But here in BC, we're on still, you know, large, large lockdown. Um, not as much as our friends in Ontario, but like we're still under some pretty strict protocols here. Definitely not doing anything like the Kentucky Derby. And then there's Kentucky, similar population, similar COVID rate in that state. And then there, I they, there are putting thousand people <laughs> yeah, and Churchill open. down. So you know, different. yeah, maybe it, hopefully it is the vaccines, and and hopefully that we can get there sooner rather than later. Well, listen, uh, before we get to our lacrosse talk, like they're saying. Now, like, I mean, I drive past the immunization kind of place in Coquitlam here uh, almost on a daily basis, and it's lined up out the door every day, and, and it's, like, su- such a positive thing to see that, that people are, are lining up to get uh, to get vaccinated. And, and, and like, I, man, I, I want to be so hopeful here, Brad, that in a month from now, even two months from now, when the WLA schedule is slated to begin, that we're there, like, 
people now like under 30 are starting to be offered to be vaccinated. So it's going to be like, I think two months from now, if you want to be vaccinated, you're going to be vaccinated. That's positive. Yeah. Hashtag positive right there. And if there is a WLA season, whether or not crowds are there or not, I think I have faith that the players will be able to be on the floor and that broadcasts will be able to get pumped out and we can just watch lacrosse and enjoy lacrosse again. (laughs) One of the places that we will be visiting this summer, should we be going ahead with the WLA season, will be Queen's historic Queen's Park Arena. Uh, as that ties in nicely here today on EP 130, Brad, as lacrosse the nation continues. And, man, look, I, I feel like we could do two, three episodes just on this city, region, team, franchise, whatever you want to call it, a club alone. As we go to the royal city of New Westminster to talk a little salmon belly lacrosse as we have... Well, he's the GM of the Junior A Salmon Bellies, but he's essentially the son of Salmon Belly royalty, uh, son of Wayne Goss. Warren Goss, the goose, will will join us here on Lacrosse the Nation coming up in quarter two. Of course, we got our Stampede Stallion in quarter four. It's your pick this week, Brad, in case uh, you were struggling for a stallion. And we got Quick Sticks, and up first here in quarter number one, of course, it's the big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. The big focus. Big focus. Big focus. 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 Uh, big focus this week. We're going back to the NOL 35 moments, Brad. I look forward to this almost on a well on a weekly basis. I, I look forward to these things coming out, and we're going back to March the eighth. March the eighth, 2014. Yeah, well done. Lacrosse out cancer night at the Loud House, the Pepsi Center, as it was known in Denver, Colorado back then. Ball arena now. Still got to get used to that. But going back to Lacrosse out cancer night in a night where Sean Pollock, Paulie, was wearing his wife's name on the back of his jersey. And of course, if you don't know the backstory here, Jenna beating cancer just two years prior to to this game being played, and Pauly goes off for a hat trick, including the OT winner, setting the Loud House ablaze, and what an emotional, what a special, like, watching the replays of that gave me absolute goosebumps. And we'll talk, I mean, give me your comments on that, and then we'll mention the rest of the story here as we move along. Well, Goosebump City for sure. And I don't know who's putting this list together for the NLL, but no misses so far. It's actually been pretty... Pretty great. Like a lot of the ones that you and I speculated would be on this list have already been on there. And then mm-hmm. to, to nominate and throw, throw a special night like like that night on there is incredible too. Like I remember watching that game live, but then just looking at the box score and reading more about it, you forget that like, and this is what I miss about lacrosse. Like Calgary's up 5 nothing in that game. Colorado scores nine straight goals. They go up 9-5. Calgary then scores the next four and the game goes to to overtime like just the wild swings that we missed imagine being a loud house for a nine goal run and that's what the loud house sort of allows you to do you know you get on a run like that and the crowd just seventeen thousand strong just goes insane and there's no stopping and the momentum keeps rolling right and well the adam jones six goal night was the exact same thing 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, but, but for Sean Pollock to, to put the team on his back and then get a special OT winner like that with his wife's name on the back of his Jersey, you you can't, you can't write a better script than that. Like it was just so, it was so perfect. And then the NLL nicely pointing out to here um, and in a huge, a huge way to rally around, but like Jenna's going through it again. Yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to mention yeah. yeah, we talked about that about about a month ago when when the news came out. But yeah. Jenna Pollock now has stage, um, four. stage four breast cancer, and a GoFundMe page has been set up. And so this is nice that this story is getting out there now because maybe more more eyeballs will head, uh, more eyeballs and wallets will head to that GoFundMe page and go, oh my god, like what? This was such a a, a special moment, and and to get my attention on it. And now that she's fighting again, maybe open your wallet and and support and rally the lacrosse community and the fans around around the Pollock family again. Yeah, real tough family and and one of the real good guys in the sport, Sean Pollock. Like I don't know too many like it's sob to play against, but man, um, just a quality human being. And that family has been through so much, and and they're going through it again. And and like I said, the NLL, you can find it in their bios. Uh, Lax class, I retweeted it. It's on my timeline as well on Twitter. If you can help out the Pollock family, they sure need it. And what a night it was back in Colorado back in 2014. Hat trick, OT winner, and uh, quite the selly after that one as well. So uh, we're all thinking about you, Paulie. And, and like Brett said, if you can if you can help out a little bit, please do. Uh, because they, they deserve our help. Uh, great comment uh, by Curtis Dixon on the Instagram thread here. The only time I've kind of been okay with losing. <laughs> Can't say it much better than that. No, so absolutely, absolutely so true. Like that was that was tears, that was goosebumps, that was every emotion, and that's what that's what sports is all about is unscripted, perfectly poetic drama. Yeah. Like that, like, you know, the I, ultimate just, reality so awesome. TV, man. It's like the ultimate yeah. reality TV. That's why I love sports. Cause you just, and guys, know. guys like that doing super superhero things under the most excruciating, excruciating circumstances yeah. um, to be able to rise to the occasion and, and to, to hit another level and hit another stride with that winning instinct. And that's what sports is. hundred percent, man. Uh, that was the big focus. That was quarter number one. This is EP 130. We're moving into the second quarter. Lacrosse the Nation is coming up. We're heading to New West. We're talking bellies with Warren Goss next right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is Mitch Jones of the Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into quarter number two. Jay Kelly, Brad Challoner with you. And uh, now time. To, Brad, I've been waiting a week for this sound effect once again. It's time to go all across the nation. Lacrosse. Lacrosse. All our sponsorship dollars going to production value on Lacrosse Classified, as you can tell. Installment three of Lacrosse the Nation. We go tonight to 
New Westminster. And we probably could go here again and again and again because there is just so much rich history to talk about uh, in the Queen City here in the lower mainland of British Columbia. But this segment is all about what makes a lacrosse hotbed a lacrosse hotbed. And here to talk about that for his city, his pride and joy is Warren Goss, currently the general manager of the New Westminster Junior Salmon Bellies, the son of who some say maybe the greatest lacrosse player of all time in, in one Wayne Goss. Warren Goss joins us on Lacrosse Classified. Warren, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. Happy to be on. Happy to have let's you go. on now, man. Sorry, Brad, you go ahead. You go let's ahead. let's uh, let's just get some history out of the way for yourself. Um, you know, were, were you born in New West? Was your dad born in New West? How far does the Goss family go back in New Westminster? Well, you know what? I'm a third generation. My kids are fourth. Um, my dad grew up in New Westminster. He he would tell you stories. Brad about um, he lived in grew up in Sapperton and he would carry his gear up to Queens Park Arena to play walking both ways. Um, he would tell you it was uphill both ways like those old stories, but it was, it's, it's true. Dad didn't have a lot of money. Um, I grew up in New Westminster as well. Uh, every day of my life went to high school here and actually currently live in the street or in the house across the street from the house I grew up in. Wow, wow! And of course, about a block away from Queens Park. Yeah. So now expand the Goss family a little bit here. Brother Ed played as well, and he was a, a heck of a player. He's in the Hall of Fame too, isn't he? He is in the Hall of Fame, and my Uncle Ed would tell you that he was better than my dad. His shoulder injury prevented him from breaking some of the records, so we let him have that every once in a while. Yeah. But he was a great lacrosse player in his own right. And he played a pretty rough game as well, did Ed? He, he did. He was tough, absolutely. He was bigger than my dad as well. My dad was only five foot seven, right? So uh, Uncle Ed was close to six feet and, and tough. Well, speaking of tough, and, and before we get into some Sam Belly stuff here, um, I regularly do this, Warren, every kind of few weeks and, and give a little Emily Goss update on, on the program to let people know on her progress and her recovery, but no better person to, to get that report from here right now in her father. Uh, this this girl of yours, Warren, is a, a complete inspiration and, and a bona fide miracle, quite frankly. How is Emily doing with, with her progress and her recovery these days? Well, well, Jake, thank you very much for asking that question, and I didn't expect it, but a uh, proud moment. Emily's doing fantastic. She's surpassing all the, all the things that we were told from day one that she couldn't do, she's doing. Uh, couldn't, couldn't be happier. And at the end of the day, Jake, uh, we've gone from pretty tough situation when it first happened to knowing that Emily's going to have a fantastic life might be a little different than the life she thought she was going to have, but it's going to be an awesome life nonetheless. So thanks for asking. You're welcome. Glad, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Her last name's Goss. So she's going to be a, a fighter no matter what. So yeah. And I'll pass my, my, my sentiments along as well, Warren. Um, thanks, let, let's go, let's go back to, I guess your dad's playing days and you know, the bellies are rolling at that point. You're a kid growing up watching your dad, um, you know, win championships and, and man cups and all the accolades and the, and the teammates that he was walking around with. Like, were those guys celebrities in U.S. Minster? What, what was it like being a kid looking up to, to those WLA players? What kind of sort of regard did they hold in the community? It, it, it was amazing back then, Brad. Um, obviously, the best memories I have, I lived in Queens Park Arena. I was at every practice and every game as I was, when I was old enough to get there with my dad. And to be there, not fully understanding, obviously, as a young kid, how amazing it was to be in the same arena with, you know, my dad's my dad, right? I don't view him as a hero back then. I, I realize now how great he was. Um, but with guys like Paul Parnell, um, you know, even Eric Cowson coming in towards the end of my dad's career, um, it, it just like amazing, amazing to be around that arena and how seriously they took that sport and they played it for the love of the game. Um, 
uh, it was unbelievable. And, and lots, lots of fun being in that, that arena. And, uh, and um, yeah, I'd seen the crowds back then with, you know, 3,500, 4,000 people in the arenas watching the bellies play it was awesome. First Man Cup coming in 1915, the last one in 1991. Unfortunately, I'm a I'm part of a, a belly trivia question that I that you never want to be. I was on the team the first time they'd missed the playoffs in like 35 years or something. I, I, that, I'll have to go to the grave with that one, Warren. No, well, you know what, Jake? I was actually doing some research because I was going to poke some fun at you because I know I always like to say like once a belly, always a belly, but yeah. I did not know that information. So yeah, well, but, I figured uh, I might as well take the shot at myself, right? <laughs> um, but listen, twenty-four man cups. I don't know how many man cups you've you've witnessed inside Queens Park Arena, but maybe I'll ask you that, Warren. Like, what? Give me your give me your craziest memory you've ever seen at QPA and your favorite memory you've ever seen out of that arena. Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you my craziest memory, and I'm actually because I wanted to talk about the original wooden floor. So when I was the water boy for the bellies back in the day, there was a player. You, I don't know if you remember him, Jake. Way back, his name was Denis Lavoie. No. English was a second language for him. Spoke French, and uh, first time playing on the wooden floor. I'll never forget this. <laughs> And he, he went down and he slid on the floor and you hear that screech that you hear when someone falls uh-huh. and he screamed and he got brought to the trainer's room and I wasn't sure what was going on. So I brought the oh, water. I think I know this one. Oh. oh yeah. And they literally pulled a six inch splinter <laughs> that had to be an inch and a half wide at the, at the wide end out of his right butt cheek. Benny Hoskins. Benny Hoskins told me this story when he was, <laughs> yeah. he was the one that pulled it out. I think, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. He was, oh yeah. Ben Hoskins. He was awesome to me. Um, but it was, it was, that was the craziest moment that I've seen. I know that's a weird one, but I had to share that one. Yeah. Um, I will jump into the best one and I, and you know, it's a little bit again, talking about my dad, but I am very proud of my father. Um, it was 1980, 81, his last year, my dad needed, um, I can't remember how many points to break the all time man cup scoring record. And he went into the last game needing seven points to, to, uh, to win, to get the record at the time. Yeah. And, uh, we actually just stumbled on the video of it. Yes. I don't know if you saw it. I have your mom, I think shared it, uh, your lovely mother, Carol. And I I think I did as well, but I'll reshare that on my Facebook for people that want to see this. This is, Amazing footage, Brad, of of this man cup from Queens Park. I don't know what TV, maybe by CBC or something, but I'll let Warren continue. This is amazing video, like that nobody has really ever seen before. Yeah, we didn't even know we had it actually. Carol stumbled across it, and I, I converted it to to um, something that we could put on on the computer. But what happened was, my dad needed seven points in that last game. They actually won the first three games, so it was go- only going four games. It wasn't a super strong. Um, uh, Bramden team at the time, but it was a loaded new West team. And, you know, I was getting down towards the end of the game and watching that game. I was, the, I was again, the water boy of the team and seeing how hard every player on that team was working to get my dad, those points. Um, and, you know, getting down to the wire and we're thinking it's not going to happen. My dad had tied the record. Um, they get the ball. Bramden gets the ball. They're trying to rag it because they don't want my dad to get the record. Ivan Tura comes out of nowhere and strips some, I can't remember who it was for the life of me. Doesn't strips matter. The guy. <laughs> yeah. Wax. Yeah. Wax the ball to my dad. My dad picks it up, fires it to Terry Oyam, who's a junior call up at the time. And he yeah. rips a shot about 17, 18 feet outside the dotted line uh, to score with a few seconds left on the clock for my dad to break the record. And that was, and that the was place his last game, there. right? Last yeah, game, last, last shift, game. last yeah. everything. Unreal. Wow. Everything. 
Yeah, and it was such an amazing that was that was by far the most memorable event as a kid being in Queens Park Arena for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I was trying to think about New Westminster, and I know there's a long history, and New West was a, a very popular like when lacrosse started being played in the in New West in the early nineteen hundreds, like New West was gonna be the hub. Like New West was on par with Vancouver, you know, they were kind of like twin cities population wise. So there's a lot of history going back there, but like I can't separate Salmon Belly's lacrosse and Queens Park Arena. And I kind of want to know your opinion on how much Salmon Belly's success and just the lacrosse culture in that town is due to the pull of that arena. You have this sort of like haunted Fenway Park type um, lacrosse barn in that town. And, you know, as a kid growing up there, Warren, like, is there, is it just you want to be in that building, you want to play on that floor and you get pulled to it? Like, they, you can't talk about Sound Bells without Queens Park. So, how much do you see them sort of married together? Oh. Like, like, seeing Brad, and good for you for even picking up on that because that's exactly what it's like in New Westminster. Every kid in New West wants to play on that floor. And I know it's a new one in 2006, but it still has that same feel. But you're right, it, it does have that aura when you walk in there. When you, and the, the big thing for me. Brad and Jake, when you when you talk about that aura that Queens Park has, is when you see the look on the faces of players that come from other teams that have never been in before. Yeah, yeah. And they look on, around man. and, bang and they look up in the rafters, and you can see that it's a bit intimidating for them, right? They've got that old wood floor at that one end of the arena now, the south end of the arena, yeah. the old parse, which is my, the face-off circle, which my dad has a few marks on that on that board. Sure. And um, but it, it's it's quite in, amazing how how it does have that aura about it. And every kid in New Westminster can't wait to play on that floor. Yeah. And you've, you've seen that look more than I have, but it's something like when I called, you know, I did the, the minor nationals just a couple of years ago and to watch some of these teams from Winnipeg and Manitoba and whatever come, come through there. They'd never seen anything like that before. And they step out onto the wood and it's almost like, they're stepping out on ice. They kind of like, oh, like I, this is this is okay to do. Sort of. Do you know, Warren? Like, who came up with the idea to lay down a wooden floor originally in Queens Park, or, or like, where did that? I who came up with that? You know what? I don't. I don't know, Jake. All I can think of it. The only thing I can think of, and the only thing I've been able to dig up, it was a less expensive option than actually paving the floor because what was on the floor before wasn't actually concrete. It was dirt. <laughs> right <laughs> so they so the wood going over the dirt was Unreal. a cheaper option than than laying concrete and that's the only thing now someone if there's listeners out there that can correct us that's great but i yeah. don't know that's just my, my 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 research a lot of the um well we've only done two we've only done two segments but i i know what makes part of a, a lacrosse hotbed a hotbed and that's that's players coming back and giving back and that's them coming back as coaches or coming back and mentoring teams um you know, how much is that a part of, of New Westminster minor lacrosse in, in 2021? Uh, it's, it's absolutely huge. And it's, um, you know, it's a bit of an expectation for everyone that plays in New Westminster, certainly at the junior level. We actually, um, it sounds bad. And no, no one's unwilling to do it, but it's an expectation of our junior players to be involved in coaching and giving back to the community and running camps. And, and um, you know, past and, past and present, Senior senior Salmon Valley general managers have also put the same expectation and having those guys give back because Brad, you touched on it earlier. The, the senior bellies, especially a little few of the juniors, but the senior bellies, especially, they're celebrities in our town. So when they show up, everyone wants to be there. So when they put on clinics and 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 camps, or they're or if they're lucky, if a team is lucky enough to actually have someone coach their team, um, it's it's amazing. 
it's, it, it's funny you say that. Like that, that was like literally one of my first coaching jobs was when I was playing senior in New West. I started coaching the, the junior bellies with Ernie Troon, and that really gave me the coaching book. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, for sure. Speaking with uh, Warren Goss, general manager of the junior bellies, as we're going across the nation with New Westminster here. And um, we talked about Emily a little bit earlier, Warren. Tell me about women's lacrosse, girls lacrosse in New West. You got, that organization was really one of the first to kind of start pushing box uh, on girls, and, and they're thriving. Tell me about the numbers in minor for, for the girls and, and the women's program uh, as they move on through the ranks. Uh, uh, Jake, you know what? It's been fantastic. And I, I was lucky enough to coach my daughter, actually coach Emily. Uh, she was part of our, our national championship junior girls team. The first girls junior girls team to win a national championship in Halifax. Awesome. Um, but the girls, pro, the girls program has grown so much from some key people. And I, you know, since we're talking about it, I have to give a shout out to a gentleman named Sean house who was instrumental in starting girls, girls box lacrosse. Um, he really was the pioneer and got a good group of people there to grow it. And, and I'm proud to say organizations like New West and Coquitlam led the way with, with really promoting girls, girls box lacrosse. And, yeah. you know, started off, um, you know, it was either Coquitlam or New West that would win the provincial championships. But now you're seeing other organizations and building and they're winning provincial championships. And it's amazing seeing all these girls now go play field lacrosse down in the U.S. And they're so skilled because they're used to playing that box game. And those girls down in the U.S. just aren't used to seeing, seeing, that, seeing that down there. But the program's fantastic, and it and it continues to grow. Warren, uh, with your involvement with the with the junior A bellies, like one thing one thing we've seen over the years is that it's almost like a rite of passage where some of these junior A bellies will get to go play for the senior bellies in the playoffs. And I think of like Josh Byrne did it, Connor Robinson did it. And these guys like you know, caused a lot yeah. of damage. Crowley did it. Um, Crowley ended up becoming a belly. Unfortunately, Byrne did not. Connor Robinson did not. But now this year, or, or I guess in the WLA draft, the last two years, protection has been a thing now. So Belly's finally able to protect Will Malcolm in the 2021 WLA draft. Um, how big is that? Are you, how much of a fan are you of the, the protection of the WLA and making sure that these guys who grew up in New West, playing in New West, get to play their senior lacrosse in New West as well? I love it. And for the summer circuit, it's so important to have homegrown talents on your team. You guys know that. Uh, if you guys can get some some local local players playing, and that's the way it was in the day, right? Back when my dad played, it was all New West guys that were playing, and then they would they would supplement the team. It was almost like the junior organization. Um, and you know, let me say let me say this: New West, especially this year, to have a player of Will Malcolm's caliber as their as their pick. I mean, he could have been probably the top pick in the draft had there been the draft. So uh, lucky to have a Will Malcolm. He's a special player, one of the smartest players I've seen in junior. And then, of course, the legacy of brothers playing on the bellies continues like that. That is a long list of family members who have put on the, the salmon belly jersey together, like more than any other team I can even fathom. Yeah, it's crazy. It goes back to the Taskers, the Durantes, um, you know, the Geiches. Like yeah, it just Morgan's. Goes on it goes on Morgan. and on. Yeah, it goes on and on and on. As we speak with Warren Goss here, um, let's touch on the minors a little bit, uh, Warren. Like uh, the Belly Bowl is, is, I mean, teams come from all over to, to play in this thing. And I, I think Queen's Park is a big draw. But the other thing is, is like whenever I used to wear belly stuff around and I'd run into people, they'd be like, oh, I want one of those. How do I get, how do I get a, so I want to get, I want to give you the opportunity to give Dev Hurd and and your wife Sean a little plug for the Bellies Team Store as well because people are always asking me where they can get Belly stuff. But tell me about the miners, the Belly Bowl, and then hook them up with the Team Store. 
All right. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you that we've got some great tournaments, my lacrosse tournaments. And at that t- this time, too, I'll give a bit of a shout out to Jamie Stewart, his past president and newest Mr. Minor, who grew that organization to uh, an unbelievable point of huge numbers, right? Competing with the Coquitlam's of the world with numbers. Um, you know, obviously, Rich Catton's the president now. Uh, but the Belly Bowl, the John Whit Memorial Belly Bowl, we've got another tournament, the Hayek Invitational, the Bantam one, which is always, obvi- always one of the most sought after tournaments in Bantam lacrosse. And then, of course, the um, the uh, the Dorothy Robertson Memorial right. Girls Tournament, yes, right? Yes, of course. Uh, we've got the biggest girls tournaments. So Quitlam and New West have offsetting weekends there with two big girls tournaments, which have become more and more competitive. Started off as a jamboree, yeah. but then the girls let us know pretty quickly they didn't <laughs> want it as a jamboree. Yes, yes, but indeed. To, yeah, and then to give the plug, you know what, Shauna, Shauna and Deb, they, and Shauna Runt does an amazing job with the Bellies gear. We protect that logo, as you know, Um and uh, you, it's, you go to bellystore.ca and you can uh, shop online for some great belly swag. There you go. Warren, let's fast forward. Let's pretend it's a, it's a hot summer night in the middle of July and you're driving through New Westminster. How likely are you to see a lacrosse stick in the hands of some kid walking down the street? A hundred percent. hundred percent guarantee. Right, right, here, right here. Jake, you got yeah, no, hey man, uh, you're gonna see bellies running the streets with their lacrosse sticks. Uh, they're gonna be at Moody Box. They're gonna be all over the place. They're in New Westminster. I think. Uh, I mean, there's. I really can't think, Warren, of another town that is so synonymous with the sport of lacrosse than the New West. It's just in the blood there in the Royal City. Hundred percent, and they, and you know you see the kids, they'll they'll have their belly swag on, belly shorts. They'll have sticks in their hands all summer long, Brad. It's actually really cool to see. And I've had, I remember Dan Dawson came out once when I was coaching the kids in Peewee, uh, un- unbelievable guy, as you guys know. Yeah. But um, he came out and helped me run a practice for my Peewee guys when Connor Robinson was in Peewee. Awesome. And and <laughs> he, and he co- he commented at the time. He said his exact words: "I've never seen anything like this." Yeah. Um, wow. Everywhere you look, there's guys with belly shorts on and sticks in their hands, and he loved it. Hayak Parade was one of my favorite things to do when, when I was a senior Sam Belly. Loved it. Just parading through the streets, wearing my belly's jersey in the U.S. Made me feel like a rock star, Brett. Oh, yeah, for sure. Warren, this was fantastic, man. Uh, I really appreciate you taking your time here to talk a little Sam Bellies with us. We didn't even touch on the junior. I hope we get a some semblance of a, a season coming up here, man. We want to see the, the red, white, and blue out there running and gunning at Queen's Park this summer. I hope it happens. Thanks for doing this. Say hi to the family, and uh, hopefully we, we see each other in person real soon. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. And um, to both of you, we really appreciate everything you guys are doing for lacrosse. Anytime we can draw attention to the sport, um, it's it's greatly appreciated. And both of you are very well respected in this in this sport and in this industry for sure. So thanks very much. Thank you, Warren. Appreciate it. Thank you, Warren. Uh, hope to see you. Hope to see you this summer. Take care of yourself. You bet. Take care. All right. There Bye. he is, uh, Brad Schellner, the GM of the Junior A Salmon Bellies. Uh, pretty good little Masters player as well. Didn't, didn't go past Junior A, but can you imagine being the ball boy for your dad, who is an absolute legend, winning man cups and just soaking that environment in? There's, like, wow. I know. And I, I really appreciate the chat with Warren Goss, who's, who's a as classy as they come, you know, there's literally uh, a book called salmon bellies versus the world, 125 year history of the salmon bellies. And now it's like over 130 years now, but there's a lot to touch on, you know, oh, and it, it does go back a far because like I was trying to say, like new West was, it was, it was like Brooklyn and New Mecca. York, you know, or Brooklyn and Manhattan. Like it was a really bustling 
uh, city in the early 1900s here in the Lower Mainland, population-wise and density-wise and landmass-wise, yeah. it's since been eclipsed in recent years. But that rich lacrosse history, it felt like a major city in New West back in the day, and that has carried over. Um, you know, a couple of things I wanted to get off my chest is that growing up as a Ladner kid, our, our biggest sights were always senior B because that's all we had here, right? Like the stars never shone brighter than senior B. We thought that was sort of the cap, right? Um, but we always, when we went out to New West, I remember sitting around in circles with friends after games one day, you know, kind of just like shooting the shit saying, if I was to ever wear another jersey and if it wasn't a Delta jersey, it would be, I would want to be a Salmon Belly playing out of Queens yeah. Park. And like it's the only place that we could like, just had that respect and that pull that you wanted to be there. You wanted to be a part of that rich history. Cause I've been walked on that floor and played on that floor and broadcasted from that building and felt the ghost of Queens park arena. And it is, and it is really special. And the last thing I wanted to say is that one day the untold story of, of Wayne Goss should be told. Yeah. And for people that don't know that story, you know, shortly after that game that Warren's describing there, Wayne Goss, is a firefighter and falls off the roof building a cabin and is never the same again, is never able to pick up a lacrosse stick again. And just, I'm, I'm always so shocked at that story because he gave the world such a gift with his lacrosse. And then the minute he stopped playing, his gift was taken away. Like essentially the Gaylord palace of the West, right? Like of the West, hundred percent. And all the stats that he put up and all the man cups and championships. And then, you know, he gave the world the gift of his playing. And then the minute he stopped playing, that gift was taken away from him. And uh, there's just something about that story that gives me goosebumps. And it's got like 30 for 30 documentary written. Well, and the story that Warren just told man, like his last, senior a game was a man cup game breaks the all-time record in the dying seconds while he wins the man cup and walks off with his kid as the ball boy like that is so storybook that you like and he couldn't script it so that video is out there again it's on my facebook and i'll and i'll try and share that with you if uh if i can find it again but man uh again like I don't even know how long that was, Brad. We could easily have gone another 20, 30, 40 minutes with Warren talking bellies. And as much as I'm a, a Coquitlam guy and the purple and gold and all the rest of it, I spent, you know, the better part of close to a decade there playing lacrosse in New West. And I'm so proud of that. Like, I was always quick to say, yeah, I'm a sand belly. I play for the sand bellies. And, and still to this day, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And, and like I said, a little ashamed of the, the whole missing the playoffs thing and the, the streak ending because that's, that's a little tough. But – so many great memories of of playing games in that in that arena, both as a, a home player and a visitor, and, and coaching and, and broadcasting. Man, like my God, the the '09 Man Cup. I called my very first Minto Cup in that barn. So I got stories galore and memories galore from from that rink and and the, that team, that franchise. And uh, I'm glad we checked New West off the list real early here. Pulling up to that parking lot on a thursday oh, night in popcorn, july the dogs. smell of smell of barbecue Georgie and Morano hot dogs screaming 50 50 on the front there all the rest of it yeah no just fantastic man fantastic never like and and like as old as it is and it like listen it needs a new roof in that place big time like when it rains hard you gotta oh of- yeah i've called i've called games when it's been raining in queen's park arena yeah. and the floor turns into a freaking slip and slide and, and there's some funky seats where if you're on yeah. the wrong side of the pole your your views obstructed and all the rest of it but it's got so much history and charm and nostalgia it's in the, there. It's, it's, it's the Fen- it's the fenway park of lacrosse yeah. and if you've never been there 
come to BC and go catch a lacrosse game in Queens Park. Put it on your list. Lacrosse the nation with the new Westminster Stanley's. Big thanks to Warren Gosser. That was fantastic. We got to take a break, Brad. We got to get to the third quarter, the second half here on EP 130. Quick sticks are coming up next. Stick with us. Hey, this is Mike Kersey, head coach of the Halifax Thunderbirds. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, growing the game one podcast at a time. Quick sticks time here on Lax Class 130. Jake, Brad Schellner with you. Uh, quick sticks this week, Brad. I got to pull these up here quickly because I don't have them memorized this week. But uh, where do we want to begin with quick sticks? Let's uh, let's begin. Well, let's we talk Kentucky Derby off the top. We had a little bet going via Twitter. Now, none of our horses one placed or showed i don't know if that's a word no but, hidden hidden stash really really let me down but my horse out of the three that we picked each i had the horse that finished the highest in fourth place so i'm claiming victory on the run to the roses there how do you feel about that well whoop whoop de doo <laughs> I think you're just trying to scrape victories I'll over me. I'll take in any it wherever I can get poultry it. Poultry way possible. So I'll take, take it. it. I'll take, take it. Take it. Yeah. Always a good time, uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, not a good time out there in Ladner, Brad. This uh, got my blood boiling a little bit, and I'm sure it did to you as well. Seeing the Delta Junior A Islanders tweeting out the Nets getting cut out at the outdoor box in Ladner. What's going on out in the Flatlands, man? This is not good. Some some shady characters came and, and jacked our nets. And no, it was not good. And I will commend um, the Ladner Leisure Center getting those fixed literally like the next day. And I reached out to to Darcy Phillips, who runs the Junior A team, and said, hey, is there anything I can do to help out? Do we need to like raise some money? Can I put a tweet out? Can I, can I chip in somewhere? Like, what can we do? And he said, no, the Leisure Center's got it taken care of. So it was a pretty quick fix um, for the city to step up and do that. But just... So disappointing for the players who had practice that day and that oh, weekend to, to show up and then not have your nets. And, you know, I said this in a tweet this week is I, I don't think I'm going to hope that it wasn't a, a, a member of the lacrosse mini who took those nets out. Because if you've played in that box, you're not going to do that. You're not going to screw over every other lacrosse player in the town by taking those out. So I think it was just... Uh, uh, an act of vandalism by some morons who cut out the nets to do whatever with them. I don't see why you would cut out the nets and take them home and and oh, no, and no, string no. them up to your own posts. Like it it's is. easy enough to just jack those nets. You pull up a pickup truck and there's there's nothing to stop you from taking nets from any lacrosse box. Don't get any ideas out there. But no. I don't think it was a lacrosse person. I think it was just some stupid bored punks. And I'm glad that Leisure Center got it fixed uh, ASAP. Me too. Hopefully they put black ones back in there because it looked like they had white nets before. Hopefully they put black ones in there. Uh, Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame doing their fourth series of the lacrosse uh, past, present, future. Dave Evans hosting this one again. And leading ladies of lacrosse. I have yet to watch this. It just aired today. But if you go on the, the Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Fame Facebook page, these things are archived. You can rewatch them. I did a couple. Dave's done a couple here, but uh, Michelle Boyer, Troy Ham Santos, Dana Doby, uh, all taking part in this. Another young girl that uh, looks like she's the future of, of lacrosse. I want to make sure I get her name in here, but it's blocking. I have a graphic blocking it here. This is 
really brutal podcast. Uh, here, Lauren Black, excuse me. That took way too long to get in there. Lauren Black, the fourth panelist on that roundtable discussion and, and just kind of chronologically uh, going through the history of, of women's field lacrosse. And, and I'm looking forward to, to checking this out. So I suggest you do the same as well. Uh, the hashtag trade ward has been floating around for quite some time. It didn't happen in the NLL. It finally worked. It did. It finally worked. Uh, Dylan Ward has been traded to the PLL Water Dogs. So I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, from chaos, and he didn't get a, he didn't play a minute last year uh, as Blaze Reardon is one of the best goaltenders in the field across in the world. Yeah, I think I had um, a rant about so him I not think, playing a second. Right now, he's yeah, play. I, yeah. I think Ward is going to get some playing time with the Water Dogs, who are building something special this week. Like they've they've made a lot of deals um, through free agency and through the draft. They're they're making some noise, so look out for the purple and silver. Indeed. Uh, Albany Firewalls continuing to do good things as we've seen the Junior Bandits, the Junior Rock, the Junior Nighthawks, uh, the Junior Firewolves have been born here by the Albany Firewalls. And, and like they just keep doing the right things there in Albany. So another plug here on Lax Class and Quick Sticks. Junior Firewolves have fired up. Yeah, uh, one of the teams making headlines for all the positive reasons right? recently. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. They're checking off all the boxes. They're hitting grassroots. They've got people in market running camps and clinics, and they're doing exactly what they need to be doing in that market. Every now and then, talking about fighting in sports and in hockey and lacrosse in particular, and this example came up, and and I just thought to myself, this is why fighting still exists. In And again, I'm on... Listen, I want to make my point clear here. Long gone are the days of skate stage fighting. Let's square off off the opening face off and go at it. That sort of thing. But here's an example where Alex Edler need another player on another team and put him out with an injury. So the next time that these two teams played, Wayne Simmons came up to Alex Edler and said, you need an answer for what you did. Alex Edler has played over 900 games in the National Lacrosse League and never had he been in a fight before. But here's the thing. Simmons comes up and says, we got to go. Edler answers, and he got beat up. He got his cut, cheek cut open, and, and he got punched around pretty good. But then it was over, and justice was served. And there was no more cheap shots or their players going looking to hurt other guys. Edler knew he had to answer the bell. He took on a real tough customer in Simmons, and then it was over, and they went back to playing hockey. And I just thought to myself, like, that's why you still need to have that in the game, because if you don't, you're looking at Todd Bertuzzi on Steve Moore. Yeah, so you're looking at someone else trying to stick their knee out on Quinn Hughes or trying to answer back in that sort of Exactly. Sick way. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm all with you. You got to answer the bell. It's it's part of the code of, of these aggressive, high intensity sports. It's the only way to to make it square. Yeah. Is to is to go is to go again like that. It, it clears the Leafs palette off. It clears the Canucks palette off, and then you can play hockey again after that. And so, I'm glad the National Cross League has that in the rule book that we can still we can still see that happen. Yeah. Um, and you know that's what makes that's what makes the sport great. When you have a rivalry brewing like Vancouver and San Diego, and Brody Merrill and Matt Beers can exchange blows at Rogers Arena, like there's nothing, there's nothing. Nobody's better leaving the, the arena. The Nobody's using their exactly. seat. Like, but 
So, yeah. and, and for all the people, I don't want to see it go back to 1994 no, and some of the hall no, of fame no. interviews we had, like we don't need that, but no. once in a while, a couple heavyweights need to go toe to toe to set the record straight and clear the palette so we can, we can play the game. Yeah. And, and for the people saying that it shouldn't have been Simmons, it should have been an easier fight for Edler. No, like the guy took out somebody and he, he has to take on somebody that is going to be bigger and stronger and a better fighter than to make it equal. It's just the way justice goes. So just want to put that out there. I know it's a hockey analogy, but it can relate to lacrosse as well. The We've la- talked horse racing today. Right? We've talked hockey. We're so diverse here. On We're just covering all, just cultured. covering the Cultured we are. Last one I have here on Quick Sticks, and it goes out to one Daniel Olson, who, Brad, this man has been writing for the Tri-City News and the Burnaby Now and other outlets for the better part of 30 years. This man covered me as a junior A player in Coquitlam as a coach as well and announced that that he's done writing. Um, I just want to say to Dan Olson, thank you for all those years of covering and promoting the sport of lacrosse in BC, like really like none other. Like I put him, Tom Barish and Steve Ewan as my top three guys in BC who have covered this sport for as long as I can remember. And to have Dan Olson, I mean, like, I don't know how many conversations you have with him, Brad, but like every time I see Dan, I make time to have a quick chat with him. And, and I hope I still see Dan around the rinks. I, Enjoyed our conversations. I enjoyed reading his work even more, and uh, I'm sad to see that he's that he's hanging it up. But it's well deserved as he heads for retirement. I used to steal his work all the time in a in a nice way. <laughs> so I used to I used to write for IL Indoor yeah. for a few years, um, and I do, I used to write the BC Junior Lacrosse Notebook. So I'd write a and part of the deal was I'd write a full length article about you know, a certain topic, Robert Church breaking his leg or whatever. Um, and then the last section was links to stories around the BC Junior Lacrosse League. And it was all articles from Dan Olson because he was the only guy doing it. So it'd be like, here's what Robert Church said to Dan Olson after the Adnags beat the bellies. And then, you know, the next week it would be, here's Dan Olson's interview with Ben McIntosh when the Adnags won six in a row. And, he was just the most cited guy yeah. <laughs> writing those articles yeah. um, week in and week out, covering it for the Tri-City News. And yeah, Barrage and the New West Record and Burnaby Now. There's some papers that cover it cover cover it locally uh, really hard here. And, and Dan Olson was definitely one of those guys. So I'll pass my thank you for letting me borrow your uh, your. Your article is from my BC Junior Lacrosse League notebook all those years ago. Absolutely. Absolute legend and uh, all the best. Last one on quick sticks I have is national championship update. Expect this to come out of the CLA in, in the coming weeks. Early May, I think, was the latest update. And we are now officially into early May here, Brad. So hopefully by the next time we hit the record button, We'll have a, a concrete update on what the plan is for founders, Minto, man, presidents, all that sort of stuff uh, coming up here from the CLA. And that is going to wrap up quick sticks here on EP 130. We didn't do it for Lacrosse the Nation, so we'll do it here in quick sticks and give a shout out to our friends at Stampede Tack in Western, where I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this is the second rodeo in a row that Stampede Tack will miss out on, as will we, Brad, but all the more reason 
to help our friends out at Stampede Tack and Westerware who have been here since day one with us on Lax Glass. Continue to shop local at stampede.ca. Wrangler, boots, hats, belts, jeans, buckles, chaps, lassos, bolas, uh, watches, all sorts of stuff that you never even probably considered you're going to find in Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Look them up, stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local, or head on out to Cloverdale at the corner of Highway 10 and 180th, there since 1966, and check it out. It's a really cool store, and like I said, uh, the family out there could use your support, so please... Help him out. Uh, you get some Wrangler shorts yet, Brad? Uh, I don't rock them as well as you do. Okay. I'm, I'm not. Uh, yeah, don't you're gonna throw me I, under the bus because I'm not a Wrangler short guy. But I'm sure there's <laughs> lots of other stuff I can find at Stampede <laughs> hey, and man. Tack. I mentioned last week I need a I need a new cowboy hat or All like right. a half cowboy hat, one of the smaller cowboy hats to protect myself from the from the sun and try to look like uh, a young Kevin Costner from, from Yellowstone. So I will be seeing Kevin and the boys pretty soon. There you go. That was quick sticks. We're heading for the fourth quarter. One more break. And we got our stampede stallion of the week coming up. Stick with us. Lacrosse flash podcast network. Associated labels and packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service with 40 years of experience an extensive product catalog and an ever-growing fleet of equipment. Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Connor Fields of the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back on Lax Class, fourth quarter. No more breaks here as uh, it's almost time for a Stampede Tack Stallion of the Week. Before we get uh, head on out to the stables, i got to ask you, find us wherever you listen to your podcast. Obviously, you're listening to this right now. You're listening on some sort of platform. Hit that subscribe button. Take a couple of minutes. Send us a review as well. And then when you're done that, find get on the social media. Follow along at Brad Chow, at PXP for Sports. At Lax Class, at Lacrosse Classified. We're on Facebook. We got an email as well at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com if you're not a social media savant. Uh, you can always get a hold of us 24 7, 365. And, and I've already had a couple of submissions, Brad, about a couple of people getting into the DMs about coming to their city to go lacrosse the nation. So I kind of like this. Keep the suggestions coming. If you want us to talk about your city or you think your town is a lacrosse hotbed, find us via social media or the email, and uh, who knows, maybe we could come calling to your neck of the woods. But for right now, it's time to head to the stable. We've reached the Stampede Tack and Western Wear stables here. It is now time to announce this week's Stampede Stallion, Brad Challoner. So the Stampede Stallion, we're shouting guys who are bit of bit of underdogs, I guess. And I'm saying guys that, you know, didn't win a scoring title, not in the Hall of Fame, not a perennial all-star type guy, but guys who got it done consistently. 
this guy for me is on the cusp. Like, mm. if the Hall of Fame really opens up, mm-hmm. there might be a case that this guy slips in maybe down the road. I know no one mentioned him when we did our, our calls to the Hall series. But, you know, if the floodgates open one day, there's a chance that the pride of Sherwood Park, Alberta, the prairie dog, born in Calgary while his mom was on a business trip in 1979. Fun fact. Thank you, Wikipedia. Blaine Manning is my stampede stallion. He's using up my good stuff here, man. Yeah, Blaine Manning, the prairie dog, man. Uh, like the first thing that jumps off the page at me here is the games played. One shy of 200, but look, Brett, 16, 16, 16, 16, 16. He didn't miss a game until his 11th season in the league. Unbelievable as an offensive player. And just the consistency points per game. Four, 4. 4. 4.4, 4.8, 5.6, 6.5, 5, 4.8. Like it just, his entire, he averaged four and a half points per game. His entire career, almost 900 points, four championships yeah. to go along with it. And 833 points in 181 games. And, like, I, I don't know what made Blaine so successful. Like, I always think about him, like, switching hands and being able to shoot with his left just as hard as his right. But, like, he would, I don't know, like, how to describe his playing style exactly, but he got the job done. Like, pick and rolls, man. Like, Solid. Yeah, like I think I think he was kind of a a power forward. I think you could put him in that category. Like you know, he he put up he put up big numbers. He was strong. He was sizable. But you know, I don't picture Blaine Manning a ton with the ball in his stick. Even though he was a great assist guy, he was just one of those guys that worked so well in the Toronto system for so long and does get overshadowed because Colin Doyle and, and Josh Sanderson and, and all the players that he played with, you know, Casey Beards is another one of those guys that played beside Manning yeah, yeah. for so long, but like yeah, both those guys never touched the ball very right often. Casey right. Future but yeah, like got it done was an absolute fierce competitor, obviously a great mind for the game. He becomes a coach immediately after um, his playing career is done. But I, yeah, I just picture like this stocky upper frame spinning towards the inside, getting on top of goaltenders and, and causing fits. And yeah, that release down low, like he was just un, 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 unstoppable down there. And, you know, I, a couple of neat tidbits as I was digging up on Blaine Manning um, this week was that 2001 draft. He was drafted second overall second by Calgary overall. Roughnecks. Never played a game. Uh, behind behind Gavin Pro never played a game in Calgary because his girlfriend was living in Baltimore and he wanted to play for Washington who didn't have a first round pick. And Steve Govett really thought he'd get a chance to make in a trade for Blaine Manning. If he was drafted by Calgary and sat out and forced in the trade, but it ends up being Toronto who makes that deal and they shipped Caleb Toth and a first rounder for Blaine Manning. So Blaine Manning, Caleb Toth at the time, probably the best Albertan Well, he scores the, player. the championship goal for yeah. Toronto, and then he's off to Calgary, forever a roughneck. He goes to the rafters. Blaine goes on to win yeah. four titles with Toronto. Caleb wins the two more with Calgary. So it worked out. But I thought it was interesting that these two Albertans, you know, and Alberta's not producing a ton of NLL players at this time yeah. in 2001. And Caleb Toth gets traded to go home to go play in Calgary. Blaine Manning didn't want to play in Calgary, goes to Toronto and sets up this, you know, potentially still one day Hall, Hall of Fame career and, and is still there. So, 
um, unreal kind of how the way the way that it all shook down. And I think our second stallion from Sherwood Park as he joins Jimmy Q. Quinlan uh, into the stable. Is it time to run down the stable one more time here, Brad, before we let people go on EP 130? The list is getting pretty long now. We've been doing this for a minute. I like it. Um, Stampede Stallions. So again, guys who were not perennial all-stars, guys who are not in the Hall of Fame, guys who were not winning scoring titles and league awards, but guys who always made their teams ticked and had successful careers or still are in the midst of successful careers. Um, so the Stallions are Steph LeBlanc, Bruce Codd, Josh Courier, Corey Vitarelli, Chris O'Doherty, Scott Soupy Campbell, Marty Dinsdale, Jordan Hall, Nick Rose, Paul Dawson, Greg Harnett, Ian Hawksby, Craig Kahn, Greg Downing, Stephen Keogh, John Lynch, Aaron Wilson, Curtis Hodgson, Dan McRae, Jimmy Quinlan, Dan T, David Brock, Brad Cree, Brandon Miller, Jason Wolder, Peter Morgan, Andrew McBride, Jared Davis, Blaine Manning. Put that those guys in their prime on a team, and you're talking championship after championship right there. That's stable. Yeah, that's 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 a nice spread too. We still only got two goaltenders in there, but a nice healthy Miller, spread of, Rose. of East and so West. It's, yeah, it's time for another goalie. Got to have a third. Canadian, third. Canadian, American, lefties, righties, ODs. It's uh, yeah. we've got the gamut. A lot, of, a lot of two, a lot of tweeners, a lot of tweeners too. A lot of Dinsdale and yeah. uh, Jared Davis type in between guys. Uh, Stampede Tack Stallion of the Week, brought to you by Brad Schellner. Our friends at Stampede, Tack, and Western Wear. As mentioned, summer fast approaching. If you've got fair skin like me, if you're working outside not like me, um, if you really like Yellowstone and want to look super cool, Stampede, Tack, and Western Wear is where you want to go to protect yourself, to look good, to feel good, to play good like a lacrosse player. Stampede, Tack, and Western Wear is where it's at. It's at the corner of 180th and Highway 10 if you're here locally in British Columbia. But if you're not, that's okay. You can shop online, stampede.ca, because shopping online is still shopping, shopping local. Well done, Brad. You're getting much more comfortable with those reads uh, than you were originally. Well done on that. Proud of you. Well, you kind of bugged me staying too close to the script a couple weeks ago. Uh, so now yeah. I just like throw the script Don't out of the game. you feel better when you just... kind of just stray off a little bit, make it your own, right? Like, I think that's the way to go. Oh, 100%. 100%. That's how you add a little add a little flavor. And thanks for giving the broadcasting tips to the to another professional broadcaster. <laughs> so appreciate how we work together here, John. Yeah, hey, that's what partnership is all about. Uh, nicely done on EP 130, man. I think I think we're done. Are you, are you good? I'm good, man. Thanks to Warren Goss. Uh, it was great to talk about Queens Park and the Salmon Bellies, and it's just making me want to uh, head to that barn the next uh the next time we can. So thank you guys for listening again. Jumbo mentioned you can find us on social media. Let us know um, what hotbed you want to hear about next. What makes a hotbed across yeah. a hotbed on lacrosse the nation? And don't worry, suits your your oh, your lawn I was gonna say. mail. I finally got to the post office this weekend. Uh, it should be there in about a week or so. Can't so thanks for hanging tight. And what happened? Last uh, couple of thank yous, of course, goes out to our sponsors here: Stampede Tack, the Vancouver Warriors, Associated. Labels and packaging. I don't know if I mentioned associated labels and packaging. Down there in Coquitlam, 40 years of experience, associated LP. Please use them if you need a label or a package. Uh, thank you to you, the loyal listener, for checking out Wax Class each and every week. I know we get new people on board every single week. So welcome if you're new, and, and thank you if, if you've been listening for a while. 
That is going to wrap up episode 130. We'll be back with 131 next week. For Brad Chowder, I've been Jay Kelly, and for the fastest game on TV. And for the creator, we'll talk to you next time here on Lacrosse Classified. In the meantime, stay classified.